Welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Well, we are a continuous series in our church called Breaking Through Reloaded. If you are new to our church, we began each January with a vision word. And that vision word is to really infuse faith into people for the upcoming year. And because 2020 has been such a doozy, I thought I'd bring back Breaking Through because I think some people need to make sure that they don't give up on this year. But in November and December, that God has more for you. Can I get a good amen? amen? We are going to look at the life of Noah for a moment. And Noah is the famous guy, if you're not familiar, who built a boat. There is literally movies about Noah. And recently Hollywood did a thing on Noah. It was a terrible movie. It was completely inaccurate. But you've heard of Noah. Yeah. Genesis 6 verse 8 says this, but Noah. Someone say, but. Someone say, that's a good But. It really is, but Noah. Why? Because the Bible says in Genesis 6 that the earth was filled with wickedness. It was filled with violence. Literally, God was grieved in His heart that He had made mankind. But, that's right, but, come on one more time, say but. But Noah found favour and grace in the eyes of the Lord. How many know in Jesus, you can be and you can place yourself in that same name called Noah and you can say, but Anthony or but Bob, but Sue found favour and grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6 verse 9, the very next verse says this, Noah was a righteous man. I hope you know, and, and maybe if you don't know, that righteousness is a gift. It's a gift that Jesus bought for you, but Noah was walking out that gift. And the Bible says that he found, uh, sorry, he was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked uh, faithfully with God. Which means this, he was a person of principle and presence. Say that with me, principle and presence. He had principles, he had standards, he had values that were not concurrent with the standard of the day. He didn't buy into what everyone else was buying into. I'm not sure what it was. Perhaps it was a significant father figure or mother or a mentor, but here's what we know that Noah somehow without a Bible, without a church, without kind of organised faith or organised religion, he still walked with God. And that tells me this, that you can walk with God too. Because if you can come to a faith-filled place like this, if you can read the Bible in 74 different versions, if you can jump on a YouTube at any moment, fill your mind with praise and worship, how many know that if you can do that, you can do it? Am I, are you with me? To walk with God means you align your steps. The Bible actually says this. It's an interesting verse. It says, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? And so one of the keys of obviously walking with God is you don't argue with God. One of the keys with walking with God is that you agree with God. You agree with God even when you want to disagree with God. You agree with His standards and His 
morals and you say, God, teach me, give me your perspective. And so he began to obviously align his life, his morals, his families. Uh, family, his finances, his time, everything he did, he, he walked with God. Now, none of us will walk with God perfectly, but I pray that you become a man or you become a woman that walks with God. I don't think that's too mystical. I don't think that's too weird. I do believe people actually walk with God. I do believe that people hear His voice. I do believe that people walk with character. I do believe that. And I do believe that that is perhaps the greatest need of our hour is actually people who walk with God. Not just show up occasionally, not just occasionally, not just walk with Him for six months, but perhaps there would be a desire and a passion and a fire in your heart. God, let me be one of those people that walk with You for 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and 40 years. Come on in Jesus' Name. I was, I was walking with my little girl, Hope, five, five years old. We were walking in the mall. I went to the mall yesterday, I realised People still go to the mall. <laughs> mall was packed. Mall was filled. I was like, okay. Because I went recently at like 9.15 in the morning and it felt like the apocalypse had happened. It felt like the, the, the Jesus had snatched everyone away and I missed it. I was like, there's five people in the mall. And I was like, man, what is happening? But I walked to the mall yesterday. I went to the mall and I was walking with my little daughter. And, um, and she said, Daddy, I love holding your hand. I was like, well, you just get all the inheritance right there, baby. I just want to tell you right now, that's all you need to tell daddy every day. Just tell me every day. Because she's also an independent girl. So sometimes she doesn't want to hold my hand. And I'm like, you are going to hold my hand till you're 26. <laughs> till you meet Noah. <laughs> till you meet a guy by, with the character of Noah. Everyone else can get the hell away. And all the dads said, and all the ladies said, and all the, anyway, don't worry. And God instructs Noah to build a boat. I want to show you a picture of the life-size version of how big this boat was. Noah is literally 500 years old when he gets this assignment. Pre-flood, the Bible would tell us that, that humanity would live a long time after the flood. God gave a limit to humanity, 120 years. We just don't make it over that. Have you noticed? But this is how big it is. If you were to put this in giant stadium right now, it literally wouldn't fit. Now it's not as big as some of the, the maybe you've been on a cruise boat. Anyone been on a cruise boat here? Just go, yes, I'm one of the lucky ones. A number of years ago, my wife and I went on the Caribbean um, Freedom of the Seas. Man, it was the biggest boat of that time. And now they always build a bigger boat and a bigger boat and a bigger boat. And they're like, oh, it's seven inches bigger than the other boat. They're just trying to like make it bigger. And, and, um, but how many know that is a heck of an accomplishment for a man and his family? There is a man in the Netherlands today who has literally built a life-size version of Noah's Ark. It cost him $1.6 million, cost four, uh, 14,000 trees, had to be cut down to build that thing. And how many know the USA doesn't like to be kind of second place? So there's a dude in Kentucky too, and he built... <laughs> And Noah's Ark, and cost him millions of dollars as well. And thousands of people visit it. And obviously they're Christian people and they wanna uh, lead people to faith. And the Bible records there was a huge flood, literally saturated the world. 
And it is actually a story of grace and favour, but it's also a story of judgment as well. And what I want you to understand about judgment is that within the love of God, there has to be judgment. God is not judgment, God is love. God has judgment. Because without love, in essence, think about this for a second, if someone was to break into your home and kill your family and then they stand before a judge, you don't want the judge to say, I'm a forgiving judge. No, you need them to be a one of judgment, can't you? Right? It is the nature and character of God to within the love of God because even when God judges, He's being loving. Are you with me? And here's what I want you to focus on for a second. Noah is building this boat, his family's building the boat. And the Bible says he is a preacher of righteousness. He is literally inviting people onto this boat. But how many know that the people of the day didn't think he was that cool? They thought he was the dumbest man they'd ever met. And he is dumb for a hundred years. He is the guy that people make fun of. He's the guy that they're like, you don't want to be his name. I guarantee his kids kind of had a little bit of a complex about being Noah's kids. Here's what's interesting. He goes from being the dumbest man to the smartest man in one day because he's dumb until it rains. He's dumb until the storm comes. He's dumb until actually God brings judgment to the land. Noah is dumb. Isn't it amazing that you can seem like the dumbest thing can be the smartest thing if God is in it? The dumbest thing can actually be the smartest thing if God is actually in your plans. I would say this to you, that morality sometimes seems dumb until you get married. And then it seems wise. Because if you've had self-control pre-marriage, you'll have self-control through marriage. Or it is, it is at least easier. Are you with me? Sometimes certain standards seem old fashioned, but then if you live them out by the grace of God, you actually go, wait, what seemed dumb to me actually became wisdom to me. I have seen the, the, the crowd and the pull of the crowd lure people into drugs and it's weird. If you're a teenager in this place and, 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 and you got friends around you who are luring you into drugs, it can seem like everyone is doing it and everyone's getting drunk and everyone's getting high. But isn't it interesting that I have lived long enough now to see the side effects of those people who did that for years and years and years. I look at my old friends when we were 16 and 17 and 18 and I was joining with them but God rescued me at about 18 years old. He's like, uh, 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 that's not for you. And I look at the fruit of their lives versus the fruit of my life. And I went, wow, what seemed dumb actually was really wise. Are you with me? Some people seem really smart until they get caught. Think of Jeffrey Epstein for a second. Used to hang around with presidents and fly with Hollywood people. Guess what? He's an evil, evil man. And unless he cried out to God, he literally would be in hell right now. That ain't a joke. Some people seem really successful until the scandal breaks out. Some people seem like they've made it until they die. And the true test of your life is before God. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 16. 
And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. His stocks went up, his real estate went up, everything was up and it was happening and so forth. And I just wanna let you know this, it's important as a, I think as I'm speaking to people who work all the time, that it seems like sometimes Jesus' parables and Jesus' stories seem to beat up the rich a bit. But what I want you to see is that because the blessing of God um, in Deuteronomy 28, in the book of Proverbs, all throughout Scripture, some of it is monetary. But the Jewish people had shifted a lot of their faith so that whenever they saw a rich man, they thought this man must be blessed by God. But Jesus wanted to kind of pull back the curtain and show what really was. And He says, just because they have money, that does not mean they're blessed by God. Because you know you can be blessed by your own lying. Or you can be blessed by your own self-confidence and you can be blessed by your own gift and you can even be blessed even of a demonic nature as, as, as the Scripture proves in Luke chapter four when Jesus is tempted and, and literally Satan offers him everything. I wonder if Satan offered Jeffrey Epstein everything. Have you ever thought about that? And Jesus pulls back the curtain. He says, listen, he's blessed and he's rich, but watch this now. He says, verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I, someone say, I, I have no place to store my, say my, my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, (laughs) <laughs> I'll say to myself, I'll preach to myself, I'll write a book to myself, right? I'll, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. He's arrived. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. He is the classic self-made man. You ever heard of that self-made man? Oh, sing the song of Frank Sinatra, right? I did it my way. If I could sing it, I would. (laughs) He's a self-made man. How many know there is no such thing as a self-made man? Your mommy and daddy made you. You're like, I'm self-made. You ain't self-made. Someone taught you to read, right? I mean, think about that. Just the simplicity of someone teaching you to read. Someone taught you accounting. Someone taught you math. Someone taught you finance. You're like, I did it all myself. Ah, bull crap. (laughs) Do it yourself. You... Think about it. If you're, if you're healthy and strong, you learn from someone else, right? If you have a good marriage, you actually learn from someone who did it well or you did the opposite from someone who did it bad. You're not a self-made man. You're a God-made man. You're a God-made woman and God desires you to be a God-made man and a God-made woman. Genesis 9 verse 6, for in the image of God has God made mankind. So when I recognise I'm not a self-made man, then I'm a God-made man. And actually everyone else adds value to my life. I'm aligning with the truth instead of believing the lie. It's like drinking the, the, the cocktail called pride. You need to vomit that cocktail out. You need to renew your mind and say, man, actually, I'm a God-made man. And you might be like, man, but I feel separate from God. I'm, I'm not sure about God right now. Trust me, keep on seeking God, keep on following God, and He will reveal Himself to you. That's the promise of God for your life. When you become the centre of your world, you are in trouble. You become the centre of your worship 
or whatever you desire becomes the centre of your worship. The lure of our time and the lure of all time actually is to be a self-made man. My brother-in-law is an exceptional fisherman. He actually has his own fishing show. That's how good he is. You can go on Netflix, Mark Berg, Fishing Addiction. He catches sharks and all kinds of stuff. And he can tell you, I can catch little fish and big fish. I've fished with him. And um, it's all about the lure. It's all about the bait. It's right timing, right place, bait. I find the enemy waits for the right time, right place, and just throws the bait your way so he can lure you and tempt you. And, 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 and here's what I found about the enemy. The enemy actually watches you to see where is your weakness. Where is that weakness? The Bible says, be self-controlled and alert. First Peter 5, 8. For your enemy, the devil, what does he do? He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking, seeking, looking, watching, observing you, observing you, seeking whom he may devour, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Come on, are you with me? Noah teaches us that character is king, not gifting. Character is king. As the great prophet Eminem said, I'm sorry, mama. I never meant to hurt you. But tonight, I'm cleaning out the closet. We all got to clean the closet out. There's no point hiding in the closet because God already knows what's in the closet. So you might as well tell him anyway. And you might as well reveal it to someone else too who you can trust. Too many people are hiding things in the closet. Bring it to light. Bring it under the light of heaven. Bring it under the light of worship. Bring it under the light of prayer. Tell someone you trust. Tell someone you know. Noah teaches us that if people think you're dumb for a while, eventually you get the last laugh. I don't know if Noah was up on the top of the ship just going, I told you for like a hundred years, get in the boat, I'll be seeing you. I, I, I don't know. I think that'd be a little messed up, Noah. <laughs> sometimes you can, sometimes it can seem like faith can be dumb, faith can be silly, faith can be mocked. Think of Mary, the mother of Jesus for a while. It seemed silly to literally tell people, listen, I was a virgin, the Spirit of God came on me. But how many know she got the last laugh when Jesus starts the greatest and the greatest thing ever going, the gospel of grace and two billion people today worship when some people of her day mocked her. Be okay with some people not thinking everything you do is okay. Be okay with that. Be okay, young people, to stand up and have some character. Be okay, men, to stand up and have some character. Be okay with that. It isn't always popular. It does seem weird sometimes. It is luring to let everyone like you. It's so luring sometimes. Everyone's gotta like you. Not everyone's gonna like you. Even if you're the amazing person, not everyone likes you. But I found this, most people do. Don't be one of those Christians who walks around going, oh, I don't need everyone to like me. I just need God to like me. No, believe for the favour of God and the favour of man. 
But if sometimes people don't approve of your decisions, sometimes people don't approve of your morality, sometimes people don't approve of what you do financially, all those kinds of things, think about that for a second. Be willing to stand out. Can I say this to men? Be willing to stand out. Character, I believe, is one of your greatest blessings if you cultivate it. Character is one of the greatest blessings. Why? Because character is king and character counts. Because God is watching. And if you believe God promotes, if you believe God promotes, then you can keep on following Him when no one else seems to be promoting you. Noah is the ultimate example of believe and build. <laughs> like that's just funny. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. He's believing and building, watch this now, for a hundred years. And here's what's interesting. It, it, it messes with the theology that if it's God's will, it's gonna happen. You're like, what do you mean? If it's God's will, it's gonna happen. No, God is always the inviter so that you and I would co-labor with Him. God is always the inviter. When God is looking to move in a life, He says, can you pray? Can you serve? Can you give? God is the inviter so that you and I co-labor with Him. The preaching of the Gospel is to declare that Jesus is Lord, but then I rely on the Holy Spirit. He's the one who saves. But here's what's interesting, church, that he, does, he gives us the assignment to make disciples. That Jesus Himself doesn't make us make disciples. He gives us the commission to make disciples. Think about Noah for a second. God didn't build the boat for him. God didn't bring the money. He probably was fairly successful because he had to build a $1.6 million boat. And there's no manufacturing plants where he says, I need it by 100 meters, by this, by this, by this. No, he had to cut down trees and there's no electricity. So this dude is pretty good at soaring. Isn't that amazing? Haven't you noticed in your own life, I believe that God is sovereign in control over your life, but he has given you sovereignty over many things. You're like, um. What, what does that look like? It means you're sovereign over your health. Outside of radical bad things happening, you are sovereign. It means you're in control of your health. You're in control of your thinking. You're in control of what you focus on. You're in control how much you look at social media. Have you ever noticed that God never stops you from looking at social media? But how many know that'd be a good idea if sometimes you stop looking at social media? Right, because it's just feeding your thoughts and feeding your thoughts. And if you're always feeding certain things, you will produce certain things. Are you with me? Here's what I believe that Noah teaches us, that we must be people of principle and presence. And I believe that living by God's principles gives you stability. Living by God's principles gives you stability. I hope we build stable people. Stable people. Notice I didn't say safe people. 
I said stable people. Because I found that in the life of faith that God wants to many times get you out of what I'd call safety into really following Him. See, you and I must be people of principles, which is work, which is build your family, which is go to church, read the Bible, pray, serve, give, all those things. These are principles. But how many know that sometimes you can do those things and miss the presence? But you've met Christians before who are presence people, but they're not principled people and they are sometimes unsafe. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a principled person and a presence person. See, God's principles lead us to His presence and His presence lead us to His principles. God's principles lead you to the presence and His presence leads you to the principles. Does that make sense? How do we be a principal person and a presence person? Moses, sorry, Noah is a man of principle. So God is watching him. And then in the presence, he gets the particular plan. Which means this, as you follow God, over time, He'll give you little things, little things. He doesn't normally lay out your whole life. I wish He would. Don't you wish that the Lord would just show you a movie? Like, Lord, can we uh, do a little Netflix episode here? Love to see who I'm meant to marry, what career I'm meant to have, and where I should vacation, all these kinds of things. Like, you'd love to just be able to watch it. And, 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 but how many know that He doesn't do that? He reveals a tiny bit, but He says, don't worry, I'll go with you. It's not about seeing. See, faith is not seeing the future and be like, oh my gosh, I saw my whole life flash before me. Now I know exactly what I'm meant to do. No, God gives you a little bit and then He expects you to follow that bit. That's faith. Uniquely, Noah gets literally all the measurements he is meant to do, but how many know he needed specifically that? But God did not tell him how long it was gonna rain. God didn't tell him how long he's gonna be on the boat. He's on the boat about one year. One year, smelly animals, family just locked up for one year. It's like COVID, just longer. <laughs> they're, on, they're on a boat for a year. But if no one teaches us anything, it means that when I follow the principles of heaven and I follow and seek after the presence of heaven, then I make an eternal difference. And my life, my unique life and your unique life and every man, every woman in here, your unique journey affects generations. Noah's life affects generations. Someone say, my life affects the now. It affects generations to come. How many of you would have loved an amazing father? Come on, put up your hand. How many would have loved and maybe even had an amazing mother? Well, guess what? You can be it, whether you had it or not. Whether you had no dad or a bad dad, you can be a great dad. So think of the difference that it would have made in your life if you had that. So that means your life affects generations. Watch this now. 
Isaiah 43 verse 19. Behold, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming, do you not see? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I wanna point you to this verse because I wanna point you to a fresh word in due season for your life. Now, some of you, you, you know, Faith, you've been a Christian a long time. I mean, some of you probably been seminary and read books and others of you are kind of checking out church at the same time. Leave that Scripture up, guys. Isaiah, here's what it says though. Behold, I'm about to do something new. The, the danger of religion is that it's old and stale. But God never intended faith to be old and stale, did He? Why? Because He wants to do something new. And I just wanna say over our church, let God's principles guide us, but let God's presence lead us and speak specifically to us because He wants to do something fresh in your life and my life. And I wanna say this, when it comes to our church and the growth of our church and all the things that God has done over the church, it is not the sacrifice of five years ago that gets us into next year. It is not the sacrifice of a year ago that helps me preach, it's the sacrifice sometimes of this week. Our church is not built on the sacrifice of a few, it's actually built on the sacrifice of many. And I wanna encourage you to simply do this for us and with us. And if you're new, feel absolutely no pressure of this. But all I want you to do over this next couple of weeks before Commitment Sunday is say, God, what's, what's my role? I share that story, I share this story a fair bit. Maybe I've shared it too many times. And if, you, if I've shared it too many times, you can email me at anthonydoesncare.com. <laughs> and I do care and I care for you, don't get me wrong. But I don't care if you think I've shared this too many times because I need to share this story. I was 18 and I was reading a book and I was starting to spend time with God, like just starting. I was on a, a very initial faith journey, probably began to pray like for the last couple of months. And I got saved at five and I got baptised and immersed. I had a powerful experience with God at seven years old but I kind of just wandered from there on out. And then right after high school, I began to pray this simple prayer, God, would you do something with my life? I just had no direction, no meaning, nothing kind of in my life. And I was just like, I'd go to bed at night and just go, God, I mean, if you have something for me, show me. That's, that was my prayer. And it's amazing during that time, God quickly began to move my friends. He took me literally from a, a dry church to a, a live church. And all of a sudden I began to see and feel the presence of God in new, unique ways. And before you know it, a fire began to burn in my heart for the things of God. I began to pray and believe that God had a purpose for my life. I began to leave some old habits and, and not leave my friends, but I just began to stop doing some stuff they used to do. And I read this book on faith and he, he talked about it, he taught on that sometimes God gets your attention through money. And I'm, again, I'm 18, I'm now 43. This is how important this faith lesson for me was. And I read this book and I get taught the principles that for some reason, God responds to faith. And the Holy Spirit gives me a nudge, a very clear nudge, give away an amount of money that I didn't even know I had. 
So literally gave me a specific number. I'm talking the Spirit of God spoke to my heart, give away $434. And I literally was like, Lord, I didn't even know I had $434. I went to my little desk where I kept my money and I counted all my money. I had $438. And I get it, I'm like, but Lord, if I give you this, I have $4 left. Four. And I complained to the Lord. I was like, Lord. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, I ain't got $434, so I'm good. <laughs> it's not about the amount. It was about the moment. And I was wrestling in my own heart. I was like, God, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's all I have. He literally spoke to my heart and said, son, you're gonna trust you or me to get to America. And I was like, shoot. That Sunday in church, I literally watched my $434 leave. I'd never paid attention to the offering bucket before. I was watching it. There it goes. I can go to McDonald's and get myself a Big Mac. I think they cost $325 at the time. Maybe $245. I think they cost $2.45. Here's what's amazing is that I had a 75% scholarship to come to America that was offered to me. And then three weeks before I come, the coach calls me up. He's like, hey, I have a full ride for you. And I was like, praise the Lord. But here's the amazing thing. I got off the phone and I started to thank God. I said, like, oh man, thank you, Lord. It was three o'clock in the morning, three weeks before I'm going to America. Three weeks before. And I started saying, thank you, God. And then all of a sudden I realised that I'd already thanked Him for it because He had been teaching me, thank me before it comes. 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 Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, some of you just need to exercise faith and thank God before it comes. Thank God for a breakthrough in your marriage before it comes. Thank God for a breakthrough in your mind before it comes. Thank you, God. Come on, just for a moment, I want us to enter into just a, a, a moment of prayer, just a couple of minutes here, where I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna speak specifically to, to people. Close your eyes all across this place. If you're comfortable, you can lift your hands to heaven. Father, I thank You for every man. I thank You for every woman here. And I pray that a healing power would flow into souls and minds. Lord, those who are dealing with anxiousness, those who are dealing with depression, those who are dealing with fear, those who are dealing with things of the soul that just seem to un this hinder them and bind them in Jesus' Name. I pray, Lord, that, that, woo. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. I pray seducing spirits would break off some people right now in the Name of Jesus. In the Name of Jesus, and I pray the truth of God's Word would begin to penetrate your heart and your soul. I pray that, that false idols would break in Jesus' Name. And I pray that the purpose of God would begin to sit in the minds and hearts of young people in this place. I pray, Holy Spirit, You would breathe upon these moments right now. Breathe upon them, breathe upon them, breathe upon them. We're nothing without You, Lord. Breathe upon them, Father. Jesus, we love You.
God, I pray you put new vision and new vision in the hearts of men and women. I pray that you would strengthen families, strengthen people where they need it, strengthen people where they need it. Let a fresh fire come on some of these people right now. Let a fresh fire come. I sense you moving, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That the life of God, let the life of God come in this row right now. Let the life of God come in these young people right now. Let the life of the Spirit come in these young people right now. Let the life of God touch people where they need it. Let the life of God touch people where they need it. Those listening online, let the life of God touch you and speak to you where you need it right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Presence of God's here. Presence of God's here. With eyes closed, with hearts open. You may be here today and you've never said yes to the one who's already said yes to you. You may not have even realised that God has a plan for your life and God loves you and God died on a cross for you. But He says, son, I want you to come home. Daughter, I want you to come home. I made you, but we got disconnected through sin, but I've paid the price for sin. So I invite you to come home, to turn to me, to trust in me. I wanna give you my grace. I wanna give you that new identity. I wanna give you that Father's kiss, that Father's hand that you so long for. If that's you today, you may have never said yes to Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you know you've gone through the rituals of religion, but you've never connected to the life of God. Or maybe many years ago, you connected to the life of God, but you know you ran away, you fell away, you slipped away. However it is, you're away. you want to come back to Him right now, I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer. And let that prayer connect you by faith to Him. Can we all pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, right now, I ask You to forgive me. I turn to You as best as I know how. I give You my life. Help me become person you created me to become. From this day, you define me. Help me walk with you. While eyes are closed. If you meant business with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and raise it up high today so I can see it and just respond to you. Just as a moment of simple, just saying, yep, I, I did that today. All across this place, raise your hand, raise it high. Raise your hand, raise it high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, so many hands going up. So many hands going up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. Father, I pray over every single person. I, I don't wanna miss this moment right now. Spirit of the living God, bless your people. Let your favour and grace shine upon them. Fill us where we so need it. Fill our minds and our hearts, I pray in Jesus' Name. 
Let the kiss of heaven be on this place. I ask you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give more the glory and all the praise.